Welcome back, absolute worldy listener, to the fifth episode of the isolation season. Hello, Kyle. Joel, we're still on lockdown. We're still doing the worldy podcast separately. I'd like to see you in non-2D, you know, like non-flat screen, but it's going to be a while. I miss stroking your face whilst we talk. Let's be honest. That's, I mean, that's what our listeners have imagined every time they've listened to an episode of this, right? Yeah, and, the, and our guests sitting between us sort of getting in, in the way of the tickling and, then, and the stroking. Yeah, sad. But hey, hopefully one of these days soon, you listener and us will be able to stroke each other's faces once again. Uh, how are you doing, Kyle? Any updates? Oh, just, you know, slowly unravelling into madness, you? Uh, I think I've unravelled into madness, gone back into sanity and unravelling again. So pretty similar. Pretty Enjoying the weather, though. Ah, uh, yeah. Enough garden. Well, yeah, I, ha- I mean, it's, uh, when it was sunny, I, uh, I've been pulling the, uh, the sofa out of my garden. Uh, out, out of my garden? Out into my garden. I've said I've got a little patio area. I stick the sofa out there. And I lie on the sofa in the garden. It's very luxurious. Uh, uh, tanning, lots of tanning. Uh, not read, pretending to read books, but really playing words with friends on my phone. Other word-based games, other mobile. Ah, oh, crap. <laughs> and they say that the key workers have got it tough, Joel. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Basically, playing games on my phone, lying on the sofa in the sunshine. It's really, it's a, it's a hard time, lockdown. Um, um, I, I did a stressful thing. What did you do? Uh, I asked my wife to cut my hair oh my god that's terrifying what were you thinking she's not a barber she's not a hairdresser (laughs) but it was getting for want of a better word disgusting well we have talked about we have talked about this before we raised concerns about your hairline um uh, has she ever cut anyone's hair before (laughs) i think we raised concerns about my hairline in every episode (laughs) It's it's, it's pretty much your favorite thing to do I don't bring up hair. You bring it up and I bring it back to the fact that you're worried about your hairline. Well, I didn't, I, I need, I need not have worried because somehow, somehow with no training, she's done an amazing job. Fantastic. What, 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 um, kind, of, what kind of look have we gone for? We've, I've gone for like, it's short back, it's sort of like short back and sides, essentially way shorter than I would normally have it on the back, which I'm liking. Um, but Basically, my razor has got, my clipper has got two positions. And for the first three minutes, essentially, we were trying to cut my hair, shave my back and sides with it, with, with the, the, the blades locked in, in too short a position. It was ripping every individual hairs out of my head. It was absolute agony. Exactly the fear you have when you let someone cut your hair. It's going to hurt and it's going to look terrible. But then... We got used to it. She watched about 15 seconds of a tutorial clip and then we were away. That's amazing. Uh, congratulations to her and congratulations to you for looking good. I feel better, Joel. Um, have you got any updates from the football world for us, Carl? Anything happening? Oh, you know what? Obviously, the games aren't going ahead still and that's exactly how it should be because yes. if you can't get together with a group of more than three people, two people, you know, a household, essentially, then you shouldn't be playing football. And, you know, I miss it. I miss football a lot. But I am one of the majority of people, I think, that don't think it should come back until everything goes back to normal. It would be nice. It would be nice to think, oh, sure, let's just put them all into 
um, a big hotel, make sure the ones that have been sick or are sick are not allowed to play and let the rest play behind closed doors and have something to watch on the telly. But there's loads of other stuff I can watch. It's safe. What are the, what are, what are the leagues around the world doing uh, about this? What's happened so far? Um, everyone's sort of at odds at what to do. It's such a big business, isn't it? So much, well, there's billions of pounds involved, involved in, in the English league, for example, in the Premier League, that they want to play. They, want the, they don't want to keep losing money. Um, in Holland, they have cancelled the season, which is a big sort of scare for most leagues because it just eradicates all the season that's already been played, which is about three quarters of the season. Um, and you're wiping that from history. In this country, that would mean that Liverpool, who haven't won the league in 30 years um, and are 20-something points clear at the top, they could win the, game, win the league if they just win the next two games, which they can't play. And for them to have that taken away feels like an injustice. But it certainly does feel like of, an injustice. But at the end of the day, does any of this matter? Good point. In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't. But as this is loosely a football-based podcast, Kyle, we should probably pretend it does. Uh, following on from last week's episode uh, about Red Nev, uh, that, uh, which Tukku Barbaros brought to us, uh, we have some update on the other Nev, do we not? We do. We talked about him with his brother, didn't we? We made some unfair comparison about their looks, which I, I will take back. In retrospect, it was mean. Sure. Um, but we've, we've already judged Phil, who he manages the, the women's football team, the women's national team in England. Um, we've criticised him before, as England manager, for kissing his players' foreheads. Now, he's stepping down. So he will not be the manager beyond next year. Uh, and uh, his record doesn't compare that favourably with the, the other man who was removed from the position before him for controversial reasons, Mark Sampson. Has he been a success? It's his first ever managerial job managing the England women's national team. Um, I would say that it started off well, uh, that we'd had an amazing performance in the World Cup last summer. And since then, I think he's sort of fallen off a cliff a bit. So possibly not an experiment. One would hope that the next manager might be someone who, regardless of gender, might be someone who's actually had experience either playing or managing in women's football. Yes, I I, I think there's a a long list of potential candidates from within the women's game that deserve a job. Emma Hayes comes to mind. Um, The the, the actual, the US women's national coach has been linked with the job. Amazing. That'd be pretty good, seeing as uh, she's won the World Cup. Uh, just most most recently. Um, I mean, or maybe a long-term legend, a long-term English legend or a long-term English women's football club legend. Um, And it's interesting that I bring that up, actually, uh, thinking about it, because we've had not one, but two listeners get in touch wanting to talk about their football anecdotes, Kyle. Oh, my God. Hashtag share your stories is hashtag paying off. We knew it would, Joel. We knew if we just relied on the kindness of our listenership, they would... Save us in this hour of need. Uh, And both of them are talking about long-term club legends. Uh, First up, we will be talking to the actor-musician Rachel Barnes, uh, and then long-term listener, in fact, he listened to the very first episode and has listened ever since, uh, Adam Klug will be joining us. Uh, I'm excited for both of these guests and both of the uh, amazing legends that they're going to be talking about for very different reasons. Are you ready? Let's get ahead of it, Joel. Let's get ahead of all of this. Uh, just after this, listener.
welcome back, listener. And we are joined now by the actor and musician, Rachel Barnes. Rachel, thanks for coming on. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. How are you? How's lockdown? Yeah, good. Um, I just uh, knocked over a houseplant, but otherwise things are going well. <laughs> yeah. uh, so you've got a lot of soil to clean up now? Yeah. Is Great. it on carpet or wooden floor? It is carpet, yeah, unfortunately. Oh, nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I say go all out, stamp it in, make a new pattern and just say that's what the carpets always look like. Yeah, yeah. It's got a little speckle in the, uh, in the thread, so that might work. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> uh, now, you got in touch with us. Uh, as, as, as our listener will know, because we never cease to point it out, we, we have nothing to talk about because the football's off. Uh, uh, so you got, and we've been asking for listener stories. You got in touch with us uh, specifically, if I'm right, because you were completely obsessed uh, with a certain person whilst you were growing up. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. When you say obsessed, we'll reveal the identity of who it is momentarily. When you say obsessed, what are we, what, what are we saying? Like, like physically attracted or you thought he was just the best at, at football? What was it? Um, well, due to my absolute lack of knowledge of football and what a skill skilled footballer might look like it was yeah completely aesthetic obsession Uh, so an aesthetic obsession based around uh what the fact that he was i'm going to give our 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 clued up listener a bit of a clue was it the hairy chest was it the like flowing curly locks all of the above the the slightly grizzly stubbly strong jawline a dark, a dark grizzly man. And how old are you at the point when you fell for this dark grizzly man? Uh, approximately 12, 13, I think. Right, so we are, of course, talking about Ryan Giggs. Ryan Giggs, Kyle. Do you like Ryan Giggs? Um, I have always had a, a big soft spot for Ryan Giggs. I feel like he is one footballer that everyone our age maybe has heard of. He's, he was around and playing football for just one club, so it's easy to remember, Man United for 20 plus years so my basically my whole like my whole period of being self-aware he was there he's ryan giggs is is football (laughs) yeah he's a sort of grizzled as as rachel says grizzled chiseled version of football uh so 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 you become aware of him at 12 years old and are like oh man i love ryan giggs and is that it i mean yeah basically but so it's just quite bizarre when I look back that I'd never been to a football match I'd never been into football at all and I still wasn't really into football but um just sort of discovered Man United through my friend my best mate at the time she loved Man United um and her football obsession was Owen Hargreaves but she did actually know something about football I just kind of tagged along and picked a person and uh, went along for the ride. We didn't even watch that many games. We went to Old Trafford once, you know, on the tour thing that you can do for her birthday. I think it was her 13th birthday, her family paid and, and I got to go along as her best mate. And we like sat in front of the shirts and all that sort of stuff. And I, I had no idea what, what, honestly, I couldn't tell you anything about football. I still, to this day, I've seen one game. I can't even remember who they were playing, Joel, to be honest. But yeah, I, just, <laughs> I was just there for gigsy. <laughs> and, and so you saw Man United, so, you, so you've been to Old Trafford twice? Yeah, once for the tour, once for the game. And did he play in the game you saw? Uh, 
I think, yeah, no, no, he did. He did. I don't think Owen Hargreaves did, though, which was a source of disappointment for my friend. But we, I remember as well, we used to, on the on the motorway, because we go loads of places together, me and this girl, and we'd, every time, you know, Hargreaves, the haulage company. I don't know if, they, if we have them down south. Hargreaves haulage. Yeah, I'm sh- anyway, it's, you know, it says Hargreaves on the side of the lorry and, and every time we saw one, we sort of turned to each other and giggle. I mean, it's very, <laughs> very girl, cliche. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> you know, I'll hold my hands up. It wasn't, it wasn't the best time. That is so cute, though, that you were such good friends that you would giggle over a haulage lorry just to support her. Yeah, yeah. I've got to say, I mean, I get the Giggsy thing, right? He's, I, I'm with you on the chiselled, on the grizzled, on the darkness. On He looks like he's thinking some deep thought deep down somewhere. But Owen Hargreaves was not a, a classically, for a 12-year-old or a 13-year-old, not a yeah. classically attractive man. Yeah, we had many discussions about that. But, she, you know, but I didn't mind because that kept her away from gigs. So, <laughs> you know. I mean, Hargreaves did have lots of hair. That is, that is a sort of idol of of classically of teenage girls, is it not? I mean, I'm, I shouldn't really speak for teenage girls. No. Have, have you seen the film um, Inside Out? Oh, with the people in her head. Yeah, have you seen it? Yeah, I have. Great film. So there's there's a bit in that where like this machine is just generating her perfect boyfriend, and she's like a, a twelve year old girl. And it's this boy with hair like Owen Hargreaves. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I think there are maybe two. I mean, we can't put them in boxes, but it, in my experience, teenage girls either love a very sort of almost prepubescent Justin Bieber type vibe or a complete like gorilla vibe. It's funny you should say that. Have you seen the footage of Giggs celebrating that goal with his top off? Uh, yes, I know the one you mean. Yes, I have. That was a bit before your time, I guess. But like for listeners who maybe you don't remember this iconic goal in a FA Cup semi-final against Arsenal. He runs almost the entire length of the pitch, slaloming past Arsenal's hapless defence, scores an incredible worldy goal, and then whips off his top, and he's got a, well, a, a man rug, I guess. Well, I don't know why it's a man rug. Just it's a, rug. a rug. Yeah. Um, and this is like the late 90s, so you didn't have to put the word man before things like we do now. <laughs> As in like, you know, like... Oh, no, I, can't, I literally can't think of any now. Sounded nostalgic for that time. <laughs> like Matt, what? Like man bun, there we go. <laughs> I, knew, I, I knew what I meant. I'm not sure there is a... Anyway, um, uh, yeah, I remember that. I remember uh, I had just started... Uh, I was, what, 13 at the time? I just started growing chest hair. And uh, it felt... Me, it made me feel very... Um, uh, okay about my body. <laughs> What to see to see other hairy people? Men. Just, well, you've just like um. Listen, I'm not going to demean uh what was clearly a very important moment for you falling in love with Ryan Giggs at the age of twelve. But a lot of people fancied Ryan Giggs. Like he was considered to be uh, an attractive foot until Beckham came along. I think he was the attractive footballer, and to see okay. that the attractive footballer had a hairy chest was a nice thing for a thirteen year old boy who was confused about why hair was sprouting everywhere. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's nice. So, so how how did this obsession manifest itself beyond going to Old Trafford and giggling at haulage companies? Um, did you have like fridge magnets, posters, anything like that? It's funny you say fridge magnets because I found some recently. My parents moved house last year, and I was sorting through various crap, and um, 
there were three fridge magnets, two of Ryan Giggs's face and one of just a Man United slogan. Um, <clears throat> I had a massive poster of, was it 2000? I mean, I don't even know. Was it 2008 that they won the, uh, they won a big thing? <laughs> the yeah, they, they won the Champions League, I think, in the summer of 2008. Yeah, so I've, I had a big poster of that on my wall for a time. What else did I? Oh, so I had a little lamb, a little um, teddy, a beanie teddy. And um, I'd had it since I was tiny, but I'd never named it for whatever reason. And um, that became Ryan Giggs. I've still got that, that little lamb. Hold on. You oh. have a lamb called Ryan Giggs? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, there's, there's something interesting there with Welshness and stereotypes, but that's great. Um <laughs> <laughs> also, it's just such like it's such confusing s- symbolism there. You know, this, I think you described him as a grisly dark man, and you know, <laughs> you you put yourself in the in the bracket of of maybe in the bracket of, of teenage girls that liked a, a hairier, grislier man, and yet you've named a sweet little you know the, the emblem of innocence, a lamb. Yeah, I th- I think it wasn't it wasn't he. I didn't pick that teddy specifically. I think it was the one that didn't have a name yet. So um, yeah, he was the he was the blank canvas that I could project gigs onto. <laughs> and did you hear? You know, speaking of innocence, did you hear about Ryan Giggs's uh, misdemeanors uh, sort of later in in life? In the later years, yes, I did. But this was p- uh, after my obsession. But it did it did hurt. Actually, I'm not going to lie. I was quite disappointed. To hear not that. as much as it hurt his brother. Jesus. Well, yeah, granted. Kyle, do you want to do you want to fill the listener in on that particular scandal? Gigs had. I'd like to hear it from Rachel's point of view. Honestly, I heard because it was a big thing at the time, wasn't it? It kind of um, it came into even mainstream news, which is why I heard about it. And I, so I honestly tried to ignore it because I didn't really want my memory of Gigs to be tarnished. But from my understanding, he slept with his brother's wife. Is that correct? That's pretty much exact. But it was a, the big scandal was that you could read it online that it was his name, but he'd got an injunction. So the papers oh, referred to right. him as a, as a secret footballer. Uh, and, but everyone knew who he was. It was very strange. Yeah, it was odd, wasn't it? And his and brother is called Rodri Giggs, which is a lovely name. <laughs> Roger. It, it did rather it's weird that in it because now he's uh, Ryan Giggs for anyone that doesn't know is now the he was a you know an incredible career star star player from for he played until the age of 40 for one club which is unheard of um and now is the manager of Wales it hasn't really affected him that much being um be, uh, being known to have uh, slept with his brother's wife I'm trying to think if there's an equivalent, right? So you're, you're saying you, you hated, you didn't, no, you didn't hate. You had no interest in football, didn't really care about it. It was just Giggsy and then the fridge magnets and the poster and the teddy and all of that coming from something that you didn't really care about. I'm trying to think if there's an equivalent thing where as a teenager or even younger, fancying someone led me to maybe a little bit with like pop music. What do you think, Kyle? Was there a point in your, in your teenage boy years where you became interested in something purely because of the aesthetic value of, of one of the individuals involved? Um, does Kira Knightley count? What, are you saying you would never have watched a Kira Knightley film unless you had a crush on her? I tell you what, I, I definitely would not have uh, watched and then subsequently read Dr. Zhivago, not in a million years. You read Dr. Zhivago? Well, I don't know what I was trying to find in it because she obviously wasn't in the book. I, I, I feel like that is the equivalent of naming the blank canvas teddy bear Ryan Giggs. That's just like a step too far. <laughs> Rachel, can I ask, where'd you get a Ryan Giggs fridge magnet? Where'd you get two? Did you make them? No, no, no. Um, they had, 
I think maybe it was from the old Trafford gift shop. Um, but they had of all the different players, just you know those little square magnets. But no, two of those. He had different facial expressions in each one. Can you still see them now in your mind's eye? Oh yeah, vividly. Yeah. <laughs> he was next to um, he was next to one of those magnets you know that you used to get that had like a, a, a random animal on it and then a motivational quote like you don't have to understand me but please try with a giraffe on it you know? oh my god my nan had those like they were like um like what um the bbc uh, what's it called the wwf the the sort of foundation for animals to save them their habitats and stuff yeah love that <laughs> you're taking me right back down memory lane oh magnets had so many <laughs> do you remember the point where you transitioned out of this of this gigs moment and do you remember was there any like spur was there any kind of switch what was the moment the switch went off and you were like ah gigsy I've, I've had my time um I don't remember a clear defining moment really I think I think it was probably when I was around 15 and life started getting a bit busier and I didn't really <laughs> I didn't really have time to indulge my fantasies anymore and also it's quite sad actually the the friendship with the the girl that you know that was my best mate who was kind of more into man U and got me into it and gigs um our friendship sort of we grew into very different people and that sort of drifted apart so it's weird isn't it like you can be so heavily influenced by one person and then just completely move i think that period of of your life in those teenage formative years is so it yo-yos a lot doesn't it between what you're kind of obsessed with one minute and then i had uh i i remember the person that got me into oasis and he was my best mate and i didn't really care about music and he he played me oasis and then and then he 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 would like try and go to like arena gigs or stuff i don't think i ever went but he was like the person that formulated like indie personality around me from the age of like 13 to 15 and then we just drifted apart and never really spoke again yeah but you'll always have ryan gigs and to a lesser extent owen hargreaves <laughs> yeah absolutely and somewhere i've got um i've got a picture i can see it so clearly if i find out i'll send it to you i probably won't um <laughs> it was we used to have these like sleepovers and um, she had these big shirts. She had an older brother who had, you know, football shirts from Man U and then um, scarves and stuff. And we used to put makeup on and, and then put our football shirts on and take pictures with a digi- digital camera, like standing on our bed, posing with the scarves. Those were happy, happy times. <laughs> okay, good. I mean, that does sound like it really did border on like a desire to be like a wag. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's very strange. It doesn't make a lot of sense. We also learned the chants and stuff that that went along with the games, but also in retrospect, the ones I can remember are not particularly pleasant. Is that still the case? Are they still a little racially problematic? Oh Kyle? wow, Carl, do you want to field that one? <laughs> Uh, yeah, there can be, sure. I mean, <laughs> racially problematic. I don't know. I, I don't know. One is, I, I, I can think of a couple of Man United songs that have been racially problematic from, from over the, the cross over the gigs years. One about Andrew Cole from the late 90s. One about Park Ji Sung. From uh, the, oh, yeah. yeah that, I remember the one about the, the Park Ji Sung, the Korean, the famous Korean player for Man United. Do you have any recollection of, of him, Rachel? He, he played with gigs. Oh, yeah, no, that's the one I was thinking of. <laughs> I was... Also, there was one about um, skulls and his nose. Was that a thing? Not that I can remember. But see, what, what, are you, what do you remember about it? Skulls, skulls. He skulls. No, was it? God, I've just been skulls, 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 skulls. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> Um, I'm sure it was something about his red nose. He had a red nose or something. 
Scarred. He scores goals. We don't care. He's got a red nose. <laughs> Rachel, <laughs> if we can find it, we'll play it at the end of the episode to, really? for the credits, just in, in your honour. Thank you. <laughs> well, I feel like this has been sort of therapy, really. Um, uh, are you feeling lighter? Are you feeling less burdened by the, the presence of Ryan in your life? Yeah, yeah. It's been really lovely to recollect. Thanks. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, where can people uh, uh, find you on the old socials if they want to have a follow? Um, so Twitter is my main um, public forum. My Twitter handle is rbans3. Um, yeah, that's, there's not a lot of football on there, but if you want to... I mean, we don't, have, we don't have a lot of football-based listeners any longer, so it's fine. Um, so at Arbans3 on Twitter, and hopefully in the future we'll be able to see you in, in shows again when all of this is over. And if those um, gigs, magnets, do surface again, please post them on your Twitter. I'd love to see them. Oh, yeah, I will do. I'll have a look. I'll have a rummage. And uh, we're going to be talking to our next guest about a similar uh, level of um, iconicness and uh, their, who they, their subject. Um, and we'll talk about them after this. Uh, My segue was rubbish. Though. Your segue was absolutely shit. I might get you to do that again after we finish. And we are joined by long-time listener, first-time caller, Adam Clug. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. Thanks for being on. Adam, it feels like it's been a long time coming, getting you on the pod. You're a, an avid Arsenal fan, football statistician, not for a job, but you could be. Your memory for football facts and lineups in particular is insane. Now, we can, I could literally ask you right now, Tell me the Blackburn Premier League team from 1995, and you could name it for me. From maybe goalkeeper don't, to the packer. maybe don't do but that. We're not going to do that. We're not oh, going to do that. That sounds a challenge. Tim Flowers in goal, Jeff Kenner <laughs> right back, uh, Colin Hendry centre back. Can't remember the other one. Uh, and Ian Pearce left back Graham Rousseau, right wing Ripley, left wing Jason Wilcox, Sherwood in the middle with someone else and Shearer and Sutton up front. I'm missing a uh, midfielder there. Who is it? David Batty. Yes, of course. <laughs> well, I'm, what's really funny, listener, is that uh, we've all left our, our video call on for the time being, although we'll turn it off now so the sound quality gets better. But um, uh, I, uh, he, Adam wasn't looking at notes then, guys. He was, he was just really focused on his brain bank. Uh, so you have an amazing football brain bank. Um, yeah, I'd say I'm, I have more football knowledge than I do tactical analysis. Um, but I, yeah, I think it's just from being a kid and loving football. And just having one of those memories that retains dates or random trivia, like squad numbers. When did, that, um, when did you realise that was happening? Like, at what point when your love affair with football starting as a young person, did, did you realise, flipping heck, I can remember weird facts from 1995? I think different people, we all just have different types of brains. I mean, I think Kyle's is actually quite similar to that, just remembering complete irrelevant stuff. I wouldn't, not even, I wouldn't um, actually, like, revise it. Do you know what I mean? I wouldn't sort of, like seek the desire to record it but I just remembered stuff um but I think that was always my um the characters I you just remember different characters at different times and I'd always place something with like the time in my life um although there is a reason probably why I know more about Blackburn which is I the very first game I went to was I think it was September 1992 so I was five and my dad took me to Highbury to watch uh, Arsenal against a team called Blackburn and he told me that I was a uh, that we support Arsenal. 
but I was quite a contrary kid, even at that age. And I just said at half time, oh, I like the way the other team's playing. And then I stayed with that uh, for a few years, including when Blackburn then won the league, which is about three years after that. And then when Blackburn got relegated in 1999 under Brian Kidd I remember being in tears we, we've got you on because you're an Arsenal fan and obsessive and this this whole episode's about um obsessions and uh long-term servants to clubs uh but you're actually a turncoat weasel so you started <laughs> off supporting Blackburn and then switched to Arsenal and uh, yeah well that was a very it's funny I'm admitting that um I was the only Blackburn fan I ever knew so I'd, I'd just follow their scores, but I'd go, my family had season tickets to Arsenal. So I went to a, a large number of games every season. I, felt, I knew far more about Arsenal than Blackburn. Hang on, Adam, Adam, before we go on with the Arsenal, I'd like to know, are there any other teams you want to admit right now that you've supported over the years? Is it just two? Well, I was actually just telling my girlfriend this the other day. She didn't know, and we've been together about 12 years. But I did have a little period of supporting Wimbledon as well. Nice. To be honest, my, yeah, my, it wasn't actually until the summer after Arsenal were unbeaten that I finally said, I'm an Arsenal fan, full stop. So it's been all downhill for me. <laughs> so my only league title as a fan has actually been supporting Blackburn Rovers in 95. So you approached me and Joel because you were inspired by our plea, send, you know, send us your stories. Are you going to tell us one of your Blackburn memories, one of your Arsenal memories? Well, the thing that made me reach out to you guys so I've listened to this podcast for a while and I always thought one day it'd be fun to talk about something but never imagined what that could be um but I got an email from or someone forwarded me from from Arsenal Football Club and it said basically on the second anniversary of his decision to leave Arsenal we're delighted to confirm that Arsene Wenger will be the next legend to be honoured at the Emirates Stadium and we want you the fans to vote for how this will be done and then there's a and then it's been narrowed down. So there's already been some sort of consultation process. And it's been narrowed down to renaming the clock end stand to the Arsene end, or a statue to be erected to replace the current Tony Adams statue, with Tony's statue being moved to a position inside the armory. That's the club shop. Alternatively, the Wenger statue would be erected on the roundabout opposite the armory. And then the final option is the Emirates Stadium to be renamed the Wenger Bowl. So I went to an Arsenal soccer school when I was nine. This is how long my relationship with Arsene Wenger dates back, in my own mind. Not that he knows me. <laughs> but he, Wenger came <laughs> at the car park, and I was wearing a Blackburn um, T-shirt, Blackburn kit, and I hid. My mum went and got his autograph, and I hid, because I was so embarrassed I was in a, in a Blackburn shirt. You could have met the man that they now want to honour by naming the stadium after him, but you chose not to out of embarrassment for the shirt you were wearing. That is, that is true. And th- yeah, I haven't ever met them. No, I then saw, I then actually, what, 20 years after that memory, in um, March 2016, I went to Barcelona v Arsenal, and the away game at the New Camp. And a friend of mine's a sports journalist, and he got me into Wenger's press conference. And wow. I sat, I'm at the second row, and I was looking him like, directly in the eye the whole time. And I don't know how much we can fit in this, in this podcast, but my feelings around Wenger are so complex and by that point I was so infuriated and frustrated by him sort of angry with him even though I did have this deeper love but when I was looking him in the eye and responding to these questions I just felt this guilt <laughs> again a similar guilt that maybe I felt 20 years earlier for being in a Blackburn shirt but I felt, I felt a similar guilt just thinking like this poor guy is just under so much stress and he, he cares so much and he's such a a decent and dignified person but no I never spoke to him on either of those occasions it's funny how someone can be such a massive character in your life and they don't even know who you are (laughs) 
Well, we, we <laughs> I mean, that is, I think that's football in a nutshell, isn't it? Um, uh, we've, we've, we've spoken about Arsene on the, on the pod before. We had Guna Dave on talking about his book, Arsene's Double Double. Um, but uh, for anyone who didn't hear that episode, in a nutshell, describe what Ars- the relationship between Arsene Wenger and Arsenal Football Club. So he came in uh, in 1996 in a time when English football was still, you know, still had a very sort of old school culture. And he, he modernised it in this, in a way that was overwhelmingly positive and sort of, he brought this culture, you know, he was this prophet, I think Wenger speaks four or five languages fluently, Japanese, Italian, French, Spanish and English. He, he's got a law degree. He, um, and he came in with this different, a very different sort of style and culture to old school English football management. And he completely transformed the methods of training and diet general sort of health and well-being and his whole approach was much more enabling and empowering in terms of trying to enable footballers to lead themselves and to see themselves as the masters of their destiny rather than a a more sort of authoritarian top-down way of giving orders. Um, Adam um, just while you're talking about diet what what did he bring in what were footballers eating before? uh, Well I think uh, steak and chips fry up um, just general English, you know, the stuff you get in a cafe or in a pub, whereas he was all into vitamins and uh, pasta, like high carb meals, but with different vitamins, types of vitamins, injections. vitamins and pasta. He was just crushing <laughs> up vitamins and sprinkling them on pasta like Parmesan. Is that what you're saying? Indeed, that is my understanding, yeah. Yeah, yeah, He really revolutionised uh, British football in that way, I think. <laughs> uh, well, a lot of the old um, English players really struggled when suddenly the the chef at the club changed and the, the menu completely transformed. And I think they were given vitamin supplements that lots of the uh, old English players refused to, pretended to take, but didn't. But then they saw that lots of the French and African players were, um, were just improving physically so much. And they realised that there was something to this. So they all caught on. How bad? How bad must footballers' diets have been that vitamin supplements <laughs> <laughs> Fitness supplements, famous for just giving you really expensive urine, somehow revolutionised the football, uh, the football in this country. And uh, how long did Veng, was Wenger the manager? Twenty-two years. Uh, and do you? Ha- I, I mean, I'm guessing you can off the top of your head. Uh, and his uh, his role of honour. What what titles did Arsenal win in that time? In those twenty-two years, well, that's, uh, he won three Premier League titles all in his first seven years. Uh, he won seven FA Cups. Um, which was actually spanned his whole career right the way to the end, in um, well, nearly the end in 2017. He left in 2018, um, and that was it. He he didn't win any European trophies, or or um, he never won a League Cup. He got to th- one Champions League final, one uh, lost to Barcelona. Devastating. That was he won UEFA Cup final in 2000 and lost to Galatasaray, and three League Cups. I think we lost to Chelsea. Birmingham City, that was dreadful, that one, 2011, and to Man City in 2018. So, so but for ma- the majority of Arsenal fans, say, under the age of, of 35 or under the age of 40, basically their entire footballing knowledge and life almost is, has been, was Arsene Wenger. That's the thing for so many people, he's this sort of, you know, father-like or even like semi-god-like character. Um, where you just sort of looked, I remember when, when you go on the telly, it was a joke, people would say, wait, God speaking, sort of be quiet. And this, but, I, think that's the, I think that's the thing I'm most, probably it's worth exploring, which brought back to me when I got this email from the club talking about the Wenger Bowl, 
was as much as I <clears throat> genuinely loved, admired and respected Wenger, what he was about and the way he conducted himself and his values, this sort of deference became so extreme that you were like supposed to not question him. And he also, over time, I think he became more and more sort of stubborn and, and close-minded and puritanical about winning things a very particular way, playing a very particular style of football, which it seemed clear to me whilst he was trying it that that wasn't enough and they needed to things needed to be more mixed in terms of how to approach a game rather than just everything being like short passing, small technical players. But but if you questioned him, it was like blasphemy. It was like, you can't question God, you know, just defer to the guy. And then I think over time, obviously the club moved stadium and there were all these other, um, you know, the corporatization of the club where I know that Arsenal FC said they wanted to model themselves on Disney at this period and see, see themselves as more of an entertainment industry rather than a football club which isn't Wenger's fault, but he was there. He also was there over this transformation from football being more about the local community and connecting with the grassroots and, you know, traditionally a working class game into something that became increasingly inaccessible, unaffordable for people to go. And Adam, would you say that, um, would you say that the move from Highbury Stadium, which was a smaller old sort of traditional style stadium into the Emirates Stadium is a sort of symbol of the, the club's movement in that in that direction. You've been there a lot. I mean, I've been there a couple of times. What's your yeah. feeling about the stadium that might be renamed the Wenger Bowl? Well, yeah, it, I mean, it happened. Arsenal had gone a whole season unbeaten, which no team has done uh, done before. Um, well, Preston North End had done it in a much shorter league season back in the 1800s. But Arsenal had managed to do that in the 2003-04 season at Highbury. Things were on such a high in those final Highbury years. But then in 2006, we moved stadium and yeah, Arsenal haven't won the league since then. And there's been a real decline. But it, yeah, it coincided with this. I remember feeling around that time that the ambition started to change. And there became this sort of arrogance that Arsenal were, had this right, this birthright to be right there at the top, even though we actually weren't winning things. So, so just to be clear, that you sort of see the renaming of the stadium as the Wenger Bowl as a continuation of the corporatization of football? Well, it's, it's a bit, it's, I suppose there's a few different things that all overlaps at the same time, which is hard to break down. Because, because for a non-football fan, the idea of if there is God and someone wants to rename the place that you do the thing that you do for the, for the passion and the joy and the love of the game and all that stuff, the God Bowl, essentially, why, why would you be against that? <laughs> well, because, I mean, firstly, Arsenal Football Club existed for 110 years before Arsene Wenger became manager. That amazing fit, though, isn't it, that Arsenal got Arsene as, a, as manager, um, given their name. But yeah, he, so Arsenal had been existing for 110 years. Wenger comes along, he does transform things in terms of like the style of football, in terms of the internationalism. You know, we suddenly have players from all over Europe and the world. It, it did feel very inclusive and empowering. There was something very exciting in that period. But before that, he took over. There was one year of a guy called Bruce Rioc. And before that, George Graham had won six trophies in eight years as, as manager, which is a pretty good, pretty good record, including two league titles and a European trophy in that time. Yeah, but Adam, the Graham, the Graham Bowl just sounds like, sounds like, <laughs> well, a, bloke, he sounds like a bloke who lives down the road. Oh, have you met Graham Bowl? He's very dull. <laughs> 
I actually have a family friend called Graham Bowles. Everyone's talking about the Adam, when you were, I want to take us back to when you somehow got managed to be sneaked into a press conference with international journalists on the <laughs> after a Champions League game. Before, before, yeah. Before the game. What, you know, you're there, you're, as you said you were, you were staring him out, a mixture of emotions. You said, I hated him and I loved him at the same time. Knowing everything you know about his reign, what do you wish that you'd said to him now? Great question. Great question, Carl. I'm glad I did this podcast with you. <laughs> that is a great question. Um, so yeah. can, we, can we crystallise? Because obviously you're, you're in a press conference. You're going to have to yeah. phrase this as a question. <laughs> is the question, Arson, don't you want to win? But obviously you just get, yeah. Um, but it's too complicated to have one, a one question answer because he would say, of course, well, of course, of course I want to win. That's what he always said. Yeah. Also, this was this was twelve years too late. This press conference was twenty sixteen. So, um, so ironically, so, what what you want from him is to be more pragmatic, but you're finding it very hard to put the words together to say that quite succinctly. Exactly, and if he, and also to recognise your own to recognise his <laughs> own um, the fact that he should have gone, he should have left. I think in like two thousand five six around the time, you know, like twelve years before he did. Right. Okay. So it's pretty clear here. You don't. You do not want the stadium renamed the Wenger Bowl. Absolutely against it. What do your fa- what all, all of your family are Arsenal fans? Correct. Uh, yeah, the vast majority. Yeah. You're in a. You're in the Arsenal community. What do other people think? You're f- clearly against it. You don't want the God Stadium. You want it to stay named after a corporate sponsor for some reason. Um, <laughs> So, we so, well, about, no, I, I don't want it to be uh, to remain called the Emirates. I think it'd be great if it was called Highbury again, or Ashburton Grove, the site it was on, or some or some other thing related. Why to is it called the Emirates Stadium for listeners who might have heard that time and time again without really knowing why? Because it's sponsored by the Emirates airline from um, from the UAE, the United Arab Emirates. Okay. That's, yeah, oil money. No, it's not. It's not connected to the club. I don't like that at all. But at least that's in keeping with the current corporate way football's run, which is very depressing and problematic. But for Arsenal to, for Arsenal to like go beyond that and call it something connected to the people of the area or something to do with the rich history would be great. But to make it the personification of one person, for me is like, it's bringing back, it's bringing back the problem that we had for like 12 years of this frustration with Wenger, where we all loved him, we all respect him, not just because of what he won, but because of the type of person he was and how, dignified he was so, so what, i love him and i'm all up for i, I, I want to protect I, his legacy i actually feel that what i've been fighting from for like the last 12 years or so of his reign and which feels like it's re-emerged now is to protect his legacy and stop this sort of like when it's so over the top or so extreme it what i feared all along when he stayed all those years when i felt that we, we weren't we didn't have that same ambition or hunger and that he was so that he'd gone past his peak I wanted him to leave because otherwise I feared that the only way to get him out, given the way the club was run, was the fans would end up having to turn on him. So, and I remember so, thinking that for years and years and years, and it eventually happened and it was unpleasant. I don't, I don't mean to interrupt your, your righteous football anger. Um, it's starting to sound a bit like a breakup. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is a little bit. Um, but, um, so what's the name of the trust that have organised this? It's the Arsenal Supporters Trust. Uh, it? Sorry, no, it's not. It's the Supporters Heritage of Arsenal Trust. It's not the Arsenal Supporters Trust. Oh, which right. Was, um, uh, earlier this year yeah. Shat <laughs> Yeah, which was informed earlier this year 
I've just I've got the article that you sent us in front of me. Yeah, so so um, do I. So Shap Shap was formed earlier this year, were they? Go on, Kyle. Um, by lifelong Arsenal fans Paul Meacock and Shay Kitterround. That's a great name in football. Kitterand. I don't. I don't. I suspect they're not real names, Adam. Adam. Adam, read the article again. <laughs> Shat was formed by Paul McCock and Shake It Around. Oh my God! Is this a joke? <laughs> I think it might be some, something that someone's um, doctored uh, to look like it's on the Arsenal website. I received. Well, I said I didn't receive it from the club. I received this forwarded. For, that is absolutely hilarious. God, well done. Was it a screen grab? It was forwarded by my brother, um, and I hadn't actually done more. It looks like the Arsenal. You look at it. It looks like the Arsenal. Yeah, website. it's a carbon copy of the website for sure. <laughs> well, that is okay. That is absolutely brilliant. Well, this is. Um, so I what, hope this is a joke. <laughs> so what? Um, what? How do you feel? Um, you were getting quite angry and passionate at the end there. Um, but you, you feel like shat the supporters' heritage of Arsenal that is really clever. What a strange prank, though, because I don't think it would wind most people up in the way it's wound me up. I don't um, know. It's got, your, it's got your whole family talking. It's something to do during, during quarantine. <laughs> you wrote to us specifically to talk about this issue. We've got you on the podcast after, what, two years of <laughs> listening to it. Um, uh, so... <laughs> So okay, what? I don't, I, listen. I, 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 it's been an absolute delight to have you on. Your passion uh, and knowledge about football is second to none. But just to be clear, this says more about you than it does about Arsenal fans. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been an absolute honour and a privilege to have you on. To hear you get so riled up, to pick your incredible football brain. But really, we should be thanking the supporters heritage of Arsenal Trust, <laughs> a, a group that doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> that was not set up earlier this year uh, in order to campaign for uh, Arsene Wenger to be honoured properly. And of course, its founders, Paul McCock and Shay Kitterand. And Meacock, um, M-E-A-K, that's very clever. If you are the, the <laughs> person behind this um, prank, shall we call it, um, we would love to hear from you. We'd love to know why you did it. Was it just to wind up people like Adam and his family? What was your drive? Email us at worldypodcast at gmail.com. Thank you very much, Adam. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely, definitely talk to you again. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> that is hilarious. That isn't real. I can't believe. Fell for it. I can see. Adam, that. your Who's feelings are real. Your feelings are real. They can't be denied. What an episode. I mean, starting off with Rachel Barnes taking us all back down memory lane to early crushes. Um, I, was, I was actually saying to both you and Rachel after we went off the air, um, it made me think that actually probably for a lot of people, uh, fancying a footballer is a way that people do get into football because they're very attractive specimens physically. Don't you think, Carl? Uh, of course. I mean, Ryan Giggs running around with his shirt off with that, with that rug turned a generation of young men and young women to the beautiful game. Uh, yes, via the beautiful rug. Um, and then, of course, uh, how could we not, uh, in this little sum up that we're doing, uh, reference the fact that the last 20, 25 minutes of your life, listener, was entirely based around a practical joke. I feel a bit sorry for Adam, but what I really feel is that he has an, a, such an emotional connection to Wenger and we had no idea about the, about the but he, he actually had 
these touchstone moments with him. The moment in the car park where he hid behind the car. The, the moment where he snuck into a press conference. It, 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 it also, I think it really hammers home something that you and I have been saying on this podcast for two years, that, that the, the intensity of feeling and emotion that people have around football, the ability, the tribalism, the ability to get that worked up about something and then for you and I to pull, pull, pull the rug out of underneath him mid-flow to let him know that what he was talking about was a prank. Um, really, I think, just hammers home just how intense people can be about their football teams. I think that Adam approached us in the first place because he'd already had this back and forth heated debate with his family in a WhatsApp group when this, pitch, when this image, this hoax was shared. Um, it just goes to show you, in a time where there is no football, people can still keep those bonds of connection that is this beautiful game together just with a little bit of a little bit of a hoax yep so it's an episode of fridge magnets and whatsapp hoaxes which is i think if anything a very apt uh apt um uh uh signifier for lockdown fridge magnets and hoaxes (laughs) sure um i have to do a bit of a corrections corner i said the wrong email address didn't i joel but carl how will people be able to hashtag share their stories with us if you say the wrong email address so let's say the right one and I'll let you do it. Please, listener, get in touch with us with your football stories. Be they real, be they fake, be they true, be they false. Be they about football, be they not really about football. Be they a hoax. Be they a hoax, be they a prank that's being played on you that you don't realise at the time. <laughs> Please get in touch with us all, uh, at, at uh, absoluteworldypodcast at gmail.com or you can tweet us. Where can you tweet us, Kyle? At worldypodcast. And can you find us on Instagram? Absolute Waldy Football Podcast. Get in touch with us, listener. Or if you know us personally, as a lot of our listenership do, just drop us, drop us a line. We would love to have you on. If you've, if you've always listened, always thought you'd be up for coming on, we'd love to have you on. Uh, we still have nothing to report because there is still no football. Hang on, hang on, Joe. We've just got an email from A. Wenger saying, send us your story. Hello, boys. Um, been listening every week. Love it. Love the show. Um, I wanted to tell you a story about this one time in a press conference where a man came in, a young man, and he didn't ask me a question, but he just stared at me I, in the eyes for the whole time. Terrifying. Goodbye. You're so hungover. There was no joke in that. I was like, oh, here we go. Punchline's coming. Punchline's coming. Nothing. And on that note, goodbye, listener. That was the Absolute Weldy Football Podcast by Carl Ross and Joel Samuels with theme music by Adam Janosz-Bazowski and Amar Chada Patel. Absolute Weldy is dedicated to the memory of Liam Seeker. Please do remember to like, share, subscribe, follow us at Weldy Podcast on Twitter, Absolute Weldy Football Podcast on Instagram, and drop us a line anytime at absoluteweldypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and goodbye. You can keep the hang- that that hangover bit. Just end it. Just just do that. Just laugh at me and say you're so hungover. Football, yeah. Football with football.